Welcome to the 4Fanboys Podcast, where we talk about movies, video games, and all other types of media. I'm Nick. I'm Joshua. I'm Kyle. And I'm Zach. So today we are going to be talking about, in celebration of Nintendo uh, deleting a huge swath of their games from online, right. uh, video game preservation. And maybe we'll uh, try to lead that into live service games as well because i think that is an appropriate extension of the topic because those are games that are going to be pretty much impossible to preserve in full so who wants to kick us off with the nintendo i guess uh, i could uh an interesting thing with this is that it seems like nintendo doesn't want us to play the games that's one of the biggest takeaways yeah but that's always been the biggest takeaway Remember when Nintendo released that uh, bundle of, what was it, three games? And it wasn't even the like better ports of those games. Yeah. They sold them for a really limited amount of time yes. and then stopped selling them. You like how they ended uh, Super Mario 35? You know that like Super Mario version of their Battle Royale where it's like 35 people will play on uh, different like uh, courses from the 2D Mario game and the last one standing wins. They delete that off the service despite the fact the service does need like more incentive. I just think um, deleting the online platforms for two of their consoles is, it's a choice. I'm, like, the Wii is kind of old at this point, I guess. The 3DS doesn't feel that old to me. Especially since they supported it a few years into the Switch's uh, lifespan. And wasn't there also, they had the 3DS and they had the new 3DS, which still ran off of the same store. So, like... They were obviously still putting out consoles, not... Again, it was a while ago at this point, but it wasn't that long ago. Yes. Where it feels it doesn't like, feel that long ago, at least. Where it just feels weird to stop people from being able to buy the game. Especially since there's been a resurgence of 3DS popularity. I understand when the Switch first came out, a lot of people are complaining, Oh, why are you still supporting the 3DS? And now everyone's like, why are you killing the 3DS? It's like, Really? Like, the one thing I can say is I guess it's cool that any games you did buy, you can still indefinitely download. You just can't buy any new games. But also, there are so many games that were only available to be bought from those online stores that are now, unless you, like, use a copy that you illegally download from the internet, which, which don't do that. Yeah, we don't support it. Like, that's illegal. Especially Unless you do Nintendo's that, you can't listening. play the games anymore. Yeah. And honestly, the 3DS was such a good console. It had some of the best-looking, like, consoles ever. Like, Valiant Shield Edition 2DS XL, which had, like, rays. On, like, if you ever see Link Shield with, like, the red bird on it and the golden Triforce, the golden Triforce was actually, like, raised. And it was, like, really cool. And they have like a ton. They have there's a ton of different DSs. Like I think there's like, I think for some Pokemon tournament in Japan, there was a 3DS XL with like a Charizard on the front of it. That there's only like five or six made for that tournament. Yep. But now, unless you already had the games, sucks to suck. I mean, who would actually play on a 3DS that they only made five of? Come on, you're putting that in a display somewhere, man. But that's besides the point. The point here is, like, sure, you can still boot up your 3DS and play any physical cartridges you have or any digital games you've already purchased, but 
It's not like they're making more cartridges. Those things are getting more and more expensive. It's going to be difficult to get your hands on them without paying like more than they released for. Especially since scalpers and resellers are basically upcharging and seem more rampant than ever. And then there's the issue of, again, some games were digital only. And you're not going to be able to get those ever again. They're gone. They're, they're, they've already they've disappeared. I just remembered. I forgot to buy one digital only game I wanted to get. Rip. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Codename Steam, I think it was called. It was like a third-person shooter slash strategy game. Kind of like a Fire Emblem, but you view the characters from third person. And you, when you fight somebody, you actually like fight them. You actually shoot at them. That sucks. You'll literally never be able to play that game ever again. Yeah. And didn't even do that well too. I want I really wanted to like play it, support it, and do all that, but nope. Sorry. And it just sucks because so much effort is was going into these games, so much money, and it's not like these are big games with a huge studio backing them that are like uh, online only or Nintendo eShop only. These are games that are going to be kind of smaller, where you buying the game really does show support to the developers. Yeah. And now there's no way to support them ever again. Yeah, so sad. I guess they on don't want our money. On top of that, what were you saying? I guess they don't want our money. Nope. No. But yeah, there was. I mean, in that video we watched, they were they were trying to preserve every single game that oh. they ever. Oh, and for context, uh, Zach is talking about the completionist. Like recently, if you guys heard, like what he did. Yeah. So he was trying to buy and like save every single game from the eShops of both the Wii and the Nintendo 3DS the Wii U the Wii U oh Wii U whoops my bad um actually the fact that he was trying to download every single game does that mean you have to have downloaded it before they closed the eShop no it was just he wanted to preserve it all at once because you remember at the end he donated all to uh like the vegan museum or whatever so he needed them all download to actually oh, donate okay. them. So he didn't actually need to download them all then, I guess. I think also that might have been part of the video, him owning them all on the same, like, However, w what he did do was show how poorly Nintendo thought out some of this stuff. Like how even if you get, like, a huge SD card to put into your device, it'll only let you save, like, a certain number of games to it because of just arbitrary restrictions. It'll also only let you purchase, I think, 10 games, and then you have to download one of them before it'll let you buy more, which I, I, he thought was a protection against, like, kids just going into the store and, like, accidentally buying everything. That, and you could only have $200 of Nintendo eShop's, like, credits at once. Yeah, they had, to, they had to, like, buy a few games and then reload it over and over and over again. No. That was annoying for that context, but I will say at least Nintendo is trying to protect parents from their kids overspending, unlike, you know, every other game ever. Yeah, but it doesn't really it work. Be, if the uh, kid has the credit card, they can spend the 200 and then buy $200 more. Yeah. It's really not protecting anything. Uh, this prevents accidental stuff, but that should be, like, an optional feature that you can turn off. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, exactly. Also, uh, their DLC is handled really weirdly. Like, for like, there's no, like, DLC. You can't buy the DLC from the eShop. You can only buy it inside the game you buy. Oh, yeah, that was that was wacky, too. Hey, remember Which... when he had to beat that one game in order to buy the DLC for it? Oh, uh, Phoenix Wright yeah. versus Professor Langton. It's a great game. 
and thankfully it does have physical copies unlike every single other uh, Professor Langton and Ace Attorney But game. does the DLC have physical copies? It does not. So you're telling me that I needed to buy this game and beat this game before the Nintendo eShop shut down and now I can never play that DLC ever again yeah. despite the fact that it's a great you mainline have to game for Nintendo. You beat the game to get the DLC? You need yeah. to beat the game in order to unlock the DLC They shop. don't even let you buy it until you beat nope, it? No, you can't buy it until you beat the it. The reasoning behind it is, well, I beat that game and played the DLC a while ago. The DLC is sort of uh, catching up where everyone is after the events of the main game. Yeah. So they probably don't want people to spoil themselves, but all you have to do is lock the gameplay behind beating the game and then having you be able to buy the DLC anytime you want. Yeah, a lot of games have DLC that takes place after the story of the game. But they'll usually just have something like a warning or like, yeah, they'll lock it or, or put it in like a different menu or something. Well, that DLC, you te I think, is free. So I think – and that was added much later on too, like in Waves. They even kind of break the fourth wall in DLC by saying like, oh, like catch up this week or something. I forgot exactly what they said. But what if I don't want to beat the main story first? I just want to go into the DLC. Well, you'd be Sucks. very confused. Sucks. Also, the, they do that in the other Ace Attorney games, not as, like, beat the whole game, but you have to start the game and save it, and then you unlock the ability to buy the DLC. It's kind of weird, but I think they're thinking they're being quirky or something. Yeah, he he also noticed that Fire Emblem did that, that you'd have to get partway into the game. That's so weird. That, like, imagine you wanted to buy this, this stuff, and you only remembered last minute, and then you couldn't buy the DLC because you had to play <laughs> half the game. That's Yeah, that's weird, because of stuff like that. And, like, again, what if, like, I played the game and beat it on, like, a different account, different console or something, and now I just really want to get into the, the, the DLC, so I, I have to replay it again? Oh, and fun fact about the 3DS. Do you know it did not launch with the eShop? The eShop came up, came up a little bit after the 3DS initials launched, which is kind of weird, especially since the original DS, which came out before buying games online was a thing, launched with its eShop. And so, so did the Wii, by the way. I just don't understand my big thing right now that I'm trying to wrap my brain around is you can still download these games. So the servers hosting the actual games are there for you to download. Why is Nintendo not just letting you spend money to download the games that are still being hosted in live? Right, like my best guess would be that they had a contract with all their publishers saying that the games would only available to purchase online until like a certain date and that just happened to be the date we just passed um and they didn't want to bother spending money to extend contracts or they just didn't care or something i'm not really sure it could be whatever maintenance is needed for the servers to handle people keep buying stuff they decide to save money by have by lowering the maintenance well there is another aspect to it something that i've learned about recently um in this case, it was actually with the Barnes & Noble Nook uh, ebook readers. Some of the earliest versions of it permanently lost their ability to make purchases online because there was a change in like the server backend, some kind of, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but like the the whatever handles the purchases moved on to a newer standard which was more secure and they did not support the newer standard so they just stopped allowing purchases on them at all 
could be something like that then. Yeah, but even those got a workaround where you could then go to a different platform where the uh, security was, like, able to be done, buy them there, and then download them on the older Yeah, device. so you would, you would just go onto the website, and you could make your purchases there, and then, like, download them to your device. And Nintendo literally has the Nintendo accounts that are linked to the shops where you could definitely go on your computer, like, if they wanted to, you could go on your computer, log into your Nintendo account, buy the games there, and then just download them onto your console. Yeah, and they could... There's a lot of, like, other things that work that way now because, I, uh, from what I understand, it started when Apple told all the app developers that any purchases made in-app had to go through the App Store and they had to pay Apple the 30% cut. So a lot of them disabled the in-app purchases and instead told people to go to their website to make the purchases there instead so they didn't have to give apple the 30 that was cut. the uh, big apple versus epic court case right maybe like the one time i was rooting for epic probably <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so a lot of a lot of apps changed how they work like similarly making you make the purchases on the website and I feel like Nintendo would make more money if they left it open because, like I said, there was a resurgence in popularity with the 3DS and DS. Also, like, it bounces back eventually, especially with how popular Nintendo games are. You just slap, like, Nintendo on something and then it becomes everybody's top and top 10 favorite games. I mean, like, I, like, Xbox, you can still buy 360 games. You can still buy original Xbox games. The PlayStation, after... Uh, much complaint they decide to leave open the ps vita store and the playstation 3 store i mean the yeah the xbox and playstation they're a little weird just because of like they didn't put forethought into how they were going to make that stuff work and so each generation kind of made up its own solution to the problem so now we're we're in that like weird place like on PlayStation where the PlayStation 3 games work completely differently from the other ones, I think it was. Yeah, like they wanted to force developers on PlayStation 3 uh, to only develop PlayStation 3, so they purposely made the architecture for the P PlayStation 3 really weird. So it's like kind of hard, which is, so it's like kind of hard to make it backwards from that. Yeah, so like if you wanted to, if they had wanted to give you the ability to emulate the games, they probably would have just literally had to put the ps3 hardware into the playstation 5 so instead you're forced to cloud stream the games i still think they should have done exactly that and put the ps3 hardware in the ps5 yeah they could even like upsell it as like the ps5.5 yeah they can do that and i'm the sure PS i'm sure so many people would buy it yeah i think yeah, they would yeah the inevitable ps5 pro they could have that that be a part of it hey you get built in like ps3 stuff i mean it's an interesting idea, but they would probably have to go um, a little overboard in having somebody manufacture the chips the same way they were for the original PlayStation 3, which they're probably going to be they're probably going to be something that's not even manufactured anymore. Yeah, but they can afford to pay someone to start manufacturing because them again. They're Sony. Or the, uh, let's look at it this way. The PlayStation 3 came out, what, like 2007-ish? Was it 2007 or 2008? Somewhere around there. Um, that is like generations ago in terms of computer hardware. Um, and the, nan like the nano fabrication process has come a long way. The 
like I, I, I doubt that they're even creating stuff at that level anymore. Or if they are, it's just like random cheap junk. And well, then they can actual computer make parts. modern stuff that just works the same way as the old stuff does, but is even more technologically advanced now. They could. They have the technology. They could also actually spend some time and money and some work on making an actual good PS3 emulator for a PS5. Everything's not perfect. When they they could make it for the PS5 Pro, give it a little extra power to make the games actually run smooth on it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about like computer chip manufacturing to say like if they're, because again, like in their factories, they probably have newer machines that are working with these smaller, um, like we're we're talking about measuring things in nanometers. I think it's not um, even full meters. Like modern computer hardware uses stuff in the realm of like five to seven nanometers. So the nanometer should be uh, child's play. I forget exactly what aspect of the hardware is being measured at that. I don't know if it's like the transistors or whatever. Something in there is being made really small. And so I don't know if they still have the machines to make the larger ones. And even if they could make sort of the same like chips at a smaller size... That would probably still mess with it enough because making it at a different size could mean different timings because of, of the well, time it takes electrical in. signals to travel. All, all I know is like when you're working with something that only works on a specific piece of hardware, if you if you change that like pretty much at all, it's going to like mess with the games. Yeah, I, but they have enough time, money, and people working for them that they could at least try to figure something out. Yeah, and I'm sure they'd succeed. I f- and I feel like what all this shows is how important like video game preservation is, because how hard it is now with movies. They play on just about anything nowadays. You can buy them any st- like digital storefront. You can buy a movie from them. You can probably buy a movie to watch on your smart refrigerator at this point. Yes, like they're everywhere. But video games require very specific hardware, and for similar reasons that Zach was talking about. So, which is why it's, like, really important that these games get preserved, because video games are art. A lot of people don't really think of it like it, but it is, in fact, art. And art does deserve to be preserved. And I think that is a huge, like, a huge benefit to the existence of the PC platform, because the developers have to make these games work on any, like, configuration of hardware. So they're much more versatile, and they're not as easily broken compared to consoles that have to run on that specific hardware. Except for when the uh, PC port is an afterthought, and then you get games that run really, really badly on PC. That's just poor practice from a developer, though. The uh, I'm talking about the idea as a platform. Oh, okay. Which, even that being said, I don't think it's a problem as much these days, but before you'd have like a game that was made on Windows, like for Windows XP, and then it wouldn't want to run on like Windows Vista. Like, there would be compatibility issues on different versions of Windows, which kind of sucks. But nowadays, Windows... I I don't know if it's because Windows doesn't change much, as far as I know. Like, behind behind the scenes, like, under... You know, under the hood on Windows, it's mostly remained the same from Windows 7. Like, a, a program designed on Windows 7 will probably still work on Windows 11. And I know Windows 11 is basically just an update Windows 10. Like, it's not, like anything super different what about windows 8 and 9 
Uh, what about Windows 8.1? Oh, good point. Yes. Which I think was Windows 9. Uh, yeah, I want to know if, like, the theory that they skipped hey. Windows 9 because it would... The, the theory that I've heard is that if they had Windows 9, the system, like, the operating system was coded in a way where it would read it as Windows, like, 95 or something, and it would screw everything up. They uh, skipped Windows 9 because Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 9... Oh no. Seven eight nine? No, oh, it's no. Seven, eight eight point one. <laughs> wow. That's it. crazy. It's, it's Does that mean seven, is, eight, nine, yeah. was Windows nine actually really good and that's and then seven eight nine and that's why seven was really good? Is that yeah, because seven was better than eight. That's true. And I will die on that hill. Oh. You don't need to die on that hill. That's the hill that everybody is living on. I mean that's fair. Eight point one was a step in the right direction but the fact that windows 8 was made for tablets and then put on the pc was so dumb that sounds extremely like weird decision they they were like hey here's a windows for every platform it'll work on your computer it'll work on your tablet it'll work on your phone it'll work on your xbox um guess why people don't do that <laughs> because it doesn't actually work that way because having like a little small touchscreen phone or a larger touchscreen tablet or a full-size computer set up with multiple monitors they're they're not all they don't work the same they all need like a different kind of ui wow something that works for touchscreen is not going to work very well on a regular not touchscreen so having all these giant blocks that you're intended to tap on was just not good now, uh, I'm glad you brought up how PC is good for video game uh, preservation, because I want to say, like, also say, we want to talk about how the best way for Nintendo to avoid piracy is having your games available. Which brings me to the news about Steam, that the Dolphin emulator, which really don't know, Dolphin emulator specializes in emulating games from the GameCube and the Nintendo Wii, is now officially supported on Steam. At least, it's announced it's going to be this year. I think this had, what, quarter three? Of the year quarter three or quarter two okay. which i mean i am mostly excited for that i have one problem with dolphin and it's that they have net play right so right. you can play multiplayer games with your friends and you all connect via dolphin it is garbage it oh. barely works there's constant crashes they need to fix that. Like, porting it to Steam is great, but make your emulator work before you start porting it over to other locations. Well, right. there goes our Dolphin sponsorship. <laughs> uh, one thing. Well, sponsorship, aren't they like free open source sort of deal? Yes. yes. So, like, they, they're doing what they can with what they have, yeah. man. Don't give them such a hard time. It's just so annoying when I'm trying to play games and they constantly crash when I'm playing with my friends. Uh, one thing I'm excited to see is if this actually lasts. Like, I wonder if Nintendo just going to complain Steam until Steam takes it down. I mean, I don't know how they could because it's not like they're putting yeah, there's illegal no... ISOs yeah. on it. They're just putting the free open source emulator. And for this podcast, I looked over the Steam page. They were very careful to avoid anything copyrighted. Like, when they explain what Dolphin is, they're like, we're so, we're, we uh, emulate games from the big N, 6th, and 7th console generations. Like, they didn't use any actual names. And all their screenshots are looked from very obviously like open source games. Yeah, so the idea is 
I believe there's nothing illegal with making the emulator. However, if you want to play games on it, you have to rip your own copy of the game, which kind of comes back into that problem of those Nintendo eShop games that were only available digitally. You can't rip those from a disc, so you can't even emulate them. Yeah, it's so sad. And the the fact that people make emulators that work and run these games means that Nintendo needs to just deal with it and legitimately start selling like make your own official emulator and sell your games like that that's it come on man i feel like nintendo could make a better emulator if they tried because like their n64 games when it apparently first came out for a surfer switch the lag was like extremely bad i think they did update it to have it work more now also uh, I might mention this on podcast before, but I don't know, but Mario 64 from the Super 3D All-Stars collection does not is the only game on it that does not run at 1080. It runs at, like, 720 for some reason, and it's the only one that's not widescreen. They couldn't get it to, apparently, to work at that resolution and uh, at that ratio or whatever. At this point, just remaster all the classic stuff, and you don't have to worry about emulating it. Well, they have to worry about the cost to remaster things versus how many people are actually going to buy it. Uh, and there's so, there's many, so many games, games. Yeah, that but... they would have to be pretty selective about it. And then people would just get upset because their game isn't going to get the remaster treatment. Well, their game's uh, poo-poo. <laughs> no, their games are great. But my game's better. Yeah, so but I want Star my Fox 64, and I want it running perfectly amazingly. But see, that's a classic game from a classic series, so that would most likely get mastered anyway. Okay, then I want uh, Pokemon Snap. That sounds like that would also get remastered. Did they just make a new one? <laughs> they yeah, did they did. make a new one. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, but it looks great. Or like, look at that Metroid game. That was that was pretty sweet. Yeah, totally. I still but they can't do that for every game. Well, maybe not every game, but the classics at least. Okay. Pokemon Stadium is a classic. It is one of the best non-mainline Pokemon games. And it sounds like it should be remastered. But it never will be. That's sad. But they should. What do you That's mean? The new Pokemon Stadium is uh, Pokemon Unite, right? You, it's they're, they're, in a, they're in a stadium, right? All right, guys, I quit the podcast. <laughs> oh, by the way, hey, fun fact. Apparently, there was a canceled Pokemon game for Nintendo 64, where the only proof of it are these like very early uh, Japanese screenshots where it looks like you were playing as a Pokemon trainer. It looks like it was going to be the first mainline home console Pokemon game because one of the screenshots was literally a Pokemon trainer standing in front of three like Pokeballs like laid out on a desk or something. Like third person? Yeah. So third. it would have been, what, like one of the not quite mainline but still technically mainline games like Coliseum like, or XD. It looks like it was going to be like at least somewhat more like like the mainline games. I don't know any details cuz all I know are the screenshots. But that would have been so cool. Yeah. Probably got canceled because the amount of like crunch they get like a Pokémon like they have like very strict literally release schedule. They probably weren't ready to yeah, take like Pokémon away from their games. game freak. Yeah. But um I, I will say Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are probably the closest we've gotten so far to, like, the perfect Pokemon game that I envisioned as a child. 
It's just that by now I would have expected it to look like something that was made in Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> not like whatever that was. That did not look good. And I mean, I still have some complaints here or there about it, but it's definitely closer than a lot of the other games. The, the like open world, running around, seeing Pokemon in the overworld, having different biomes to explore. It's, it's definitely the style that I wanted, but they're missing by far the graphic fidelity that I was expecting. However, there is, there is going to be probably some difficulty scaling Pokemon into more modern graphics because you can't go too realistic with it or it's, you're going to yeah, start but having you could, them look really weird. You could always go like fix the lighting, like Oh, but I, I already talked about this before. You can go something like Genshin Impact where it's very much like an anime style and it looks good. Yeah, I was, I was going to use that to work our way into Breath of the Wild too. Oh, even... Yeah. Even then, Genshin Impact isn't, like, the most good-looking game, but that's probably because it was designed primarily for mobile. Um, but, yeah. You, like, you can you can do the art style like that and probably make it look fine. But I'm talking, like, I want forests, dense forests, where you're, like, going through, you can barely see anything, there's Pokemon, like, in the bushes and stuff. Now, speaking of forest. Uh, do you know they're, where they're gonna have forest in Breath of the Wild two? Or... Wow, way to steal my uh, way to roll. Wow, into who knew category. we were gonna talk about Breath of the Wild two? Tears too. of the Kingdom. Yes, which actually <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. It's everyone crying out to spend like seventy dollars for yeah. it. Oof. Okay, but look, Breath of the Wild one was sixty dollars. That was just the ground floor, right? And Breath of the Wild two, you get the Sky Islands, which are worth at least ten extra dollars. <laughs> I will say though, it is kind of cool. They're gonna let you fuse stuff, which looks pretty cool. Like it looks. That's that's like another it, it extra ten dollars right on top of that. You're saving cool. money at that point. Yeah. I'm really hesitant to say it's gonna be good because I'm afraid there's gonna be a whole bunch of restrictions with it. Yeah, because right now it looks like you can little refuse almost whatever you want. I highly doubt that, just because of the sheer number of items that you'll probably have are going to be way too much. Yeah. To oh. give everything like a combination that makes sense. What if it's something like this? Oh, hey, there's this uh, fire enemy who's immune to attacks, but like uh, weak to water. Well, now I have to fuse a sword and water to beat this enemy, and then you just have a water sword. That I mean, does for extra example, to fire enemies. Just what they showed in the demo, right? How would you fuse a rock and a pitchfork? <laughs> like what? You stab the rock with <laughs> a pitchfork. Well, it'll probably become the same thing as the stick in the rock. It's just extra, like, Which I is extra damage because yeah. the pickaxe is stronger than oh, the stick. For those of you who actually care about Tears of the Kingdom for some reason did not see the gameplay reveal. Yeah, like they should they fuse a stick with a rock to make like a hammer, gave it more durability. Well, why don't you just use a hammer? Damage. Because you don't because have a you hammer. Don't have on access you. to the hammer yet. So what it looks like it does is it takes a base item or the base weapon you have and adds extra stats to it depending on what you fused with it. Yeah, like that's probably what will be it. You'll get like stats are just bonuses. So there's probably going to be a bunch of pre-made assets and stuff and different items that are similar enough when combined will form into one of the already existing things okay. rather than you being able to wild, wildly combine whatever you want. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be yeah. as much as like, ooh, yeah. but imagination. They seem to be really into the whole thing 
where you use a weapon to hit an enemy a few times and it breaks and you have to like scramble to pick up another one mid-combat. That's what they made it look like you're going to be That's doing. That's not fun. I don't like that. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I was kind of hoping they like at least up the durability at the very least. I understand. It did not look like they upped it. It looked like he had a stick, attacked with it three times, and then it broke. Yeah. Oh, also, I do want to say that the enemies he was fighting, they called them... I forgot what they called them. Constructs? Yeah, constructs. They looked very similar to the ancient robot characters from uh, Skyward Sword. I wonder why. Yeah. Hmm. You mean because Link has a sword and he's going skyward? Whoa. Yeah. Actually, speaking of going skyward, that ability, whoa, that was actually pretty cool. Which My is also from Skyward Sword. one complaint with it is when he was using it to get from the cave to the top of the mountain... It took so long. Oh, you move so slowly moving through that's the because, Oh, I thought you were talking about the diving. No, the diving looks cool. That should take slow right. because you need to be able to pull your glider out at any point right. to get to where you're going. But when you're going upwards, I don't need to watch Link just go through a black screen and phase through rocks like super slowly. Just make it a teleport. Yeah, they were like, oh, go up the mountain. But like just to get up this little cliff took him several seconds of going through darkness so you know, an actual mountain would probably take you like over a minute yeah, you want to know why it was like that because they were probably hiding a loading screen normally things like that are for hiding loading screens yeah but maybe, i feel like maybe there's not really loading screens anywhere else yeah i think how breath of the wild works is that everything is technically loaded at once like or at least ready to be loaded at once yeah I, it's just kind of loaded at like a really low all right i think uh spyro did that the original one like, they'd uh, have, like, very small polygons for stuff that's far away, and as you get closer, it added more. That's, yeah, that's like, a very common did. technique in video games. I actually forget the term for it at the moment. I'm not sure if Spyro was the first to do that. But loading low-poly assets at longer distances, that is super common, and I think that's part of how... That's part of why Unreal Engine 5 is actually really good, um, because... They, if I remember correctly, normally to use that technique, they have to make a different asset at a different resolution manually. They, they do it by hand for every single object for each quality that they're working with. Whereas Unreal Engine 5 is actually designed to automatically take an asset and just scale it down to where it needs to be. Which would save a load of manpower and probably do it like more effectively because it, it can it can just do whatever quality like whatever number of polygons that model should have or how far away it is it, it can just kind of decide that and do it for you like on the fly and th that's just like one aspect of how they're able to push out really high graphic fidelity yeah. and it's it's just cool to see. Oh, so you're saying that everybody ever should make all their games on Unreal Engine 5 because it's the best thing ever? Yes. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. <laughs> like, Especially with like the lighting what? demos I have, that looks so good. Oh, and did you see the new uh, Souls-like game that's supposed to be heavily using Unreal Engine 5? It looks like, at least graphically, it looks really good. It's no, just I didn't that, see that yet, I don't actually. think anybody else is working as hard on making a good graphics engine, and Unreal Engine just seems to be taking further and further like in the lead at, to the point where why would you even use anything else which I don't like I don't like that I don't like monopolies I don't 
think you should be forced into using Unreal Engine 5. Uh, it's just right now, it looks so much more advanced than anything else that's out there. And the cool thing is for small developers, I think they don't even take a cut of your earnings under a certain amount. That is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you, Unreal Engine 5. Now, I did hear at least the Switch was somewhat tailored to Unreal Engine. I could be wrong. Well, the Switch would have been on Unreal Engine like 4 at best. So. Yeah. yeah so, what about the Switch Pro? So, does anybody know if Unreal Engine needs a sponsorship from podcasts? <laughs> I mean, you know, I could probably do they a don't, whole episode about how great it is. They don't need a sponsorship from the podcast. They have a sponsorship. <laughs> they put out this really cool demo for, I don't know if they were calling it like Unreal Engine 5.1 or something. They were showing, it was really cool. They have, they're like, oh yeah, you can make these like, you have these pre-made assets that you can just put around a level and then you put it in and then it automatically generates like bridges to other parts of the level. And it was, it was insane. It was so crazy what they could do with that. However, Welcome to the four Unreal Engine 5 <clears throat> fanboys podcast. However, they had an extremely high detailed model of an electric truck that they were driving through the jungle. And it was extremely obviously a sponsorship. <laughs> wow. Um, so that, that, that was interesting. I never expected that they would be putting a weird sponsorship like that in one of their engine update videos. Uh, but like... What they're doing with the engine is so crazy. It's so good. However, I haven't seen games really utilizing it yet. Yeah, yeah it's because it's all new technology, though. People still got to learn how it works. I mean, yeah. Ga so game development is a process that these days you're looking at like several years to make a game. And most games coming out are not going to have been started when Unreal Engine 5 even existed. And due to a bunch of shortages from the next-gen consoles, well, now it's current-gen, and the current-gen CPUs and stuff, or GPUs, sorry, uh, they had to accommodate for older hardware for the past few years. But what's great, guys, you gotta look at it this way, there are so many games that have been released now that are all just dying, so when they put out their next games, they'll be on Unreal Engine 5. Yay. Whoa. Yeah, so that now your next trash live service game that's going to be dead in a few years can look really, really snazzy on... That's a good one. Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> a few years. How many live service well, games? I'm not saying all live service games are going to be gone in a few years. I'm saying that... I'm not, I'm no, saying I'm joking the fact that you think they'll last a few uh -oh. years. It depends. I mean... I guess so. Anthem, hey, you guys want to go play ooh. Anthem or uh, some Marvel Avengers? <laughs> so, wow. I think that the flops like those which these were supposed to be some of the biggest like live service titles to launch like again anthem and avengers and they ended up being complete flops nobody really played them there was nothing really to do in the game so almost it's like a live service model but you only have the skeleton of it and none of the content that was supposed to be released even got to fruition there's less the content sucked so than much. like games that just release and then never updated one the I hate about a lot of live service games is basically like oh we have an unfinished game let's just release it early and call it a live service game yeah that, that was just the case where they pretty much should have developed more content for the game where releasing it early just killed it because you see this game and you're like well there's nothing to do in it so I don't really want to play it yet maybe I'll play it later if they add more to it 
and that's what everybody thinks so nobody buys it so they can't afford to develop anything more for it which an uh, anthem they had an extremely troubled development cycle where they like pretty much restarted from the ground up a couple times they took a a uh, ea took a uh devs that specialize in making really good single player games and they had to make a multiplayer game which at its core did look really fun i think imagine if anthem was just a regular single player game would have been the best Iron Man game out there. If, it if they could have just been developed the content and the story into something that really would have been a full experience, it would have been a different story. I feel like it needs to be delayed. Like it came out way too soon. Yeah, that too. Like, I mean, but that's because yeah. again, it was a live service game where those games are put out where they don't need to be a finished product because. It's going to be supported for 10 years. I think because it was in development for so long that they got something that was kind of working. Like, okay, we got to push this out. And it just did not work for them. Oh, I remember hearing with Anthem that the game director wasn't even too sure what the game was going to be about until like a little bit before the E3 gameplay reveal. Like, <laughs> do you was... remember the, oh, but do you remember the gameplay reveal, how they were acting like uh, real people playing it? Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. I like it when they do that because it. Well, the modern, the original modern for two one wasn't too bad. They even had the uh, quality of the mics, and at the very end of the trailer, they did have a host migration. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's realistic, actually. You know who does a really, really good job at those? The Tom Clancy games. If you've ever seen the gameplay trailers for those, they are like ridiculously over the top, trying to sound like real people to the point where. It does not sound like real people are playing the game at all. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, usually my my comms sound like a frantic screaming and yelling at people to help me. <laughs> I, I remember I saw a video of somebody uh, redubbing over the uh, the uh, gameplay to make it sound more realistic, and they cut out the uh, water section and they just had it had uh, one guy saying, "Hey, uh, can you swim this game?" "Yeah, sure." He jumps in, then cuts to them out of the water. He's like, "Oh, you jerk!" Because then he like <laughs> yeah. died. Yeah, he got trolled. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to say with uh, back to Nintendo, I really want to talk about the their subscription fee. I feel like a good way how to fix it would be if they actually bother to put in have you be able to talk to your friends like through the console, message them, all that. Yeah, their online service is. St- Still living in like 2005. Yeah, like it, even if they don't like that everyone's paying the base like price of this, like the lower subscription, they could combine the two services into like a middle ground price. Actually, work on the online, make it work, give us good features with it, and I guarantee you everyone will be okay with that. Yeah, maybe maybe people will pay more if you actually put in any features. I mean, I don't use the Switch all that much. One of the main things I play is Pokemon, and for both. Sword and Shield and Scarlet and Violet, the online has been just awful. Like, they did a much better job on the way it, like, raiding works in Scarlet and Violet. And Sword and Shield, it was awful. If you wanted to raid with other players, you had to add them as a friend on the Nintendo Switch so that they could invite you to it, and it was the worst. Um, Whereas uh, Scarlet and Violet, they just have raid codes that you type in and then it just joins you with them which makes way more sense however joining other players is still super laggy 
uh like it takes like several seconds to do so and if there's several people trying to join like there's, there's too many people trying to join a raid um it'll it'll like try to load you for like a minute and then it'll be like oop the raid's already full and i'm like why did i sit here for a minute <laughs> wow. there, there was no need for that well, fun fact in smash ultimate they say if you want to play online, you basically have to get used to playing a different game because with how much it lags, it plays so much differently than if you just play like by yourself or with a uh, uh, local co-op. Look, everyone knows the only way to play Smash is to pick Solid Snake every game. You're banned. Banned. No more. No more Snake. Can we just like delete him from the game? No. He's my main. This guy didn't even know Snake had melee attacks. No, I didn't. But I don't need them. I just <laughs> plant mines, shoot rockets, and then float away. Cheap. Ooh, fun, intuitive, interactive gameplay. Uh, there's Yay. also the ultimate that basically kills everybody on screen. I love that one. That's so fun to that die is my to every match. Thing ever. yeah. But, I mean, Xbox Live, really good. The base, like, PlayStation... I don't want to go into the tiers, but just the features that PlayStation has with the, what is it, PlayStation Plus? Yeah, I think that's what's They, they work great. Why is Nintendo, as they are in every other aspect of everything, so stuck in the past? Uh, because they saw that the other companies were making money off of the live service or whatever subscription service, so they just implemented it and then just sort of left it alone because, hey, it's working, we're still okay. Like, I even heard rumors that uh, Nintendo was working with Xbox to improve how Nintendo Switch's online worked. And I never heard anything coming I out. heard a bunch of stuff of Xbox team with Nintendo. And the only thing that happened is uh, Cuphead was released for the Switch. And Banjo and Kazooie was put into Smash Ultimate. And I think that was it. <laughs> also, Banjo Kazooie is on their 64 uh, game uh, subscription thing. Also, I did remember, I never had it with you, but I did hear that the online was free and it worked better. Yes. Absolutely. It was you could, great. You could still play like Black Ops 2 or something on it. Well, I don't know anymore. Did they shut down all the servers for it? Probably. 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 Yeah. No, I think online play still works. Like oh, for both it? 3DS and the Wii U. At least that's why I heard they're planning on continuing that for a little while. Oh, I also want to say, though, that Xbox is still way far ahead of PlayStation for like pc users just in terms of not only like if you if you have the game pass that has the the pc version or whatever like you can play any of those games natively on your pc you can also stream like any xbox game to your pc it works pretty decently we we played like it takes two the one time yeah it was good and it worked fine for us whereas playstation you get their remote play app which does not work I, I tried it out. I tried, like, looking up some, like, troubleshooting tips people were giving. Like, oh, if you change this setting like this, then maybe it'll work a little better. I could not get it working in any functional way. Like, the resolution and frame rate were so awful, even compared to what it would, you know, like, look like on the PlayStation. Like, the PlayStation runs it just fine. And then it wants to remote play to the place, or to the PC app and the... The quality gets destroyed so badly. I warned you. It's why I never played Bloodborne. Well, because some so people bad. Some people said that the like the PC remote app that they could get it working in certain ways, but I tried the tricks that everybody was saying and none of them worked. So I just had to give up on that. I just had to 
hook it up to one of my uh, PC monitors when I want to play it up there. <laughs> and I have to plug my PlayStation into my speakers while putting on headphones to listen to anything on my PC. Because I can't, I can't just wear headphones and listen to both PlayStation and my PC. Which is also annoying. So it's just the fact that Xbox has such powerful integration with PC and PlayStation was like, here's an app that doesn't work. Yeah, and Nintendo's like, what's a PC? <laughs> oh. Nintendo doesn't, yeah, they, they haven't even tried. I, well, that's because Nintendo, they're really big on having you buy their hardware. Like, that's part of their big thing. They, they, make, they actually make more money as, like, a har- as like fo- fo- forcing people on their hardware rather than just going, like, third-party developer. Yeah. yeah, but once you don't make or sell that hardware anymore, then why can't we play your games? <laughs> Let us buy them on a, like, PC emulator or something. Please. Please, Nintendo. Just, like, the old ones or something that you're not selling Anyway, so why not make a few bucks off of it? Isn't because like, one day they might put them on the Switch to emulate that way. And then take it off after a month. Isn't but, Gen 4 of Pokemon like really hard to get nowadays? Yeah. Fun fact, though. Nintendo knows like some of the games they never touch anything with with years are still like desired. Like A uh, while ago, they tried to bust a few leakers in their company by spreading fake a fake leak about like a new Star Fox game. And it turns out it was wrong. It was a leak spread by Nintendo to catch some of the leakers in their company. But they knew that would get people talking, that people actually care about that. But they don't actually do anything real with it. That's so messed up. I want more Star Fox. I want, like, modern Star Fox. Nintendo, please. I grew up playing that game. Do a barrel roll. Okay. The chair. I don't have enough room to spin my chair like that. I'm sorry. Okay. Well... Speaking of, I guess, Xbox and disappointing things, you're not sure why they're doing it. Uh, what about Halo Infinite? And patching, Halo Infinite. Yes. Ten years, Halo Infinite, forever. <laughs> you and me, Halo Infinite. Ten years. Ten year life cycle. So, uh, Mint Blitz, he's a Halo YouTuber, and he does a lot for the Halo community, and he plays really well or whatever. He posted a video talking about uh, patch glitches. One of the glitches they patched was the local split-screen co-op glitch. So now you can't even do that. That's right. So first, they announced that it is not possible to do local split-screen co-op of the campaign. Then people were like, actually, using assets that already exist in the game, we can make it work. You guys did it. You might not have thought you did it, but you did it. Split-screen co-op works. And they're like, no, it doesn't. And then they got rid of it. They destroyed the evidence. Instead of taking what already existed and just making it an official thing that people could do, they patched it out of the game saying it's not possible. You know what they did on top of that? They said, like, um, that the, the amount of work to get it working fully was so great that it would, it would require so many resources that they can't even consider it at the time or something. Um, but the before they said it was impossible or whatever, or that's what you said. I don't know if they actually said it was impossible for sure. I think that's what they said. But why did they build it in a way where it was nearly impossible? Or 
are they even lying about that? Because there was a the glitch, or was it a glitch or a mod? Or it, it was a glitch. It was a glitch. It yeah. was a all glitch. existing in game. A glitch where you could get most of the game working in split screen. <laughs> so, how much more work would be to make that a workable feature? According to them, an immense amount. Well, which, I think it would have been worth it to do, to be which, honest. Like, I can't even say that they're lying about that because computers are funny like that. But that being said, that's a staple feature of Halo and should have been a priority from the start. And they promised it was going to be a priority. They said from now on, all mainline Halo games will have uh, local split-screen co-op. Yeah, everyone... Here's uh, my, my opinion slash hot take. If you're going to design your games to only work as a single-player experience where you have to connect to other players online, there's no split-screen or anything, why even bother with consoles at that point? Why have a console in your living room if you can only play by yourself? Might as well just have a PC. <laughs> yeah. Also, I still think it's still really messed up that they launched the game saying they were going to have this and then lied multiple times throughout the progress of it and then just dropped it. My own theory is that they're personally trying to kill Halo Infinite and then sooner than we think, release a new Halo and then similar with Halo 5, try and forget that Halo Infinite ever happened. Hey guys, we have co-op this time, we promise. Just just wait a few months, okay? But yeah, Halo 5 didn't have co-op and they're like, yeah, the next game going to have yep, co-op. That, that, that's where the promise started. They're like, we know we made a mistake on this, so going forward, all mainline Halo games are going to have a local split-screen co-op. Wow. I can't even, like, really follow the story in Halo anymore. It feels like in between each game, they just decide to change how They, they retcon, yeah. Uh, basically, Halo 5, like, ended on a cliffhanger, but then when Halo Infinite started, you have to wait till like, later in the game, you'll see, like, holograms. Where there's like evil Cortana and what happened and how she was beaten and stuff. They Which kinda, is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, they, we need a Halo 5.5. Like I didn't like the story of Halo 5, and I almost kind of want it retcon, but it's already out there. You kind of you can't just ignore it and just like why not start the game with them beating evil Cortana and now Halo Infinite takes place after recovering after or whatever. I still think they should go back even further than that and retcon evil Cortana to be actually one of the fractures of Cortana that split off during Halo that's, 4. Yes, that's what they should have done. I don't like... They basically brought Cortana back, but they call her the weapon. And, and also, it's not Cortana. Yeah, it's I not. I don't care if they try to tell me it's Cortana. It's not Cortana. I, I would prefer classic Cortana, in my opinion. I don't like the whole storyline with Cortana. Oh, she's degrading because she's an AI. And for some reason now, she's not dead. She's back and she's evil. I didn't like the whole thing. Also, I'm pretty sure it was in the lore at one point where Cortana could not degrade because she's based off a real person. Yeah, she was like a human's brain was scanned to yeah, make her. Yeah, she's like the only AI that's like that. And because of that, she was supposed to last longer, but then they completely ignored that in 4. She was like, oh, it's been like so-and-so years. All AI degrade after this many years. Yeah, the, the story's just been so weird. And then they realize it's weird, so then they retcon it by kind of just pushing it away. But then that kind of makes the story even more weird, because then you're like, wait a minute, what about all that stuff that happened in 5? Uh, too bad. And you know how uh, that ship that lasted through 4 and 5 and that was really invincible? Oh yeah, some uh, brutes just, just destroyed it somehow. Yeah, like the like Halo Infinite starting with the in Infinity yeah, being that's... like destroyed, 
by like a ragtag group of brutes that you had pretty much already beaten up and master chief almost dying to one of them it was like what it didn't die to the prometheans or the uh new covenant or evil cortana but to these and apparently it's supposed to because their leader atriox is such a good leader the game starts out with him beating master chief and then suddenly he's dead or something I, I he, don't know. Was he like the guy that was in Halo Wars or something? Yes. He was Halo Wars uh, in Halo Wars 2, I think. Yes, he was the bad guy in Halo Wars 2. Like, who the heck decided to bring Halo Wars lore into the main series <laughs> when nobody's played those games? I, I honestly think they're trying to be like a whole like, comic book or like Marvel MCU universe. Oh, let's make the story so interconnected. It'll that... make it so cool and make everyone buy all the extra stuff. That's what everyone wants to do. That's partly, I think, story w- reason why Warzone from Call of Duty is a thing, so they could... Because so they could have like all these different like Call of Duty universes or whatever. That's combined. honestly not cool with video games. That's cool with like say like a movie like MCU where the movies are at least somewhat connected, but you can't really overdo that, or else it just makes the story confusing. Well, yeah, most of the movies in the MCU are like standalone, and then once in a while they'll release one that's like an interconnected, but it's still mostly standalone stories. They're not. It's not that everything is always constantly connected. Yeah, the most important like MCU ones that you need to watch to understand everything else are the most more popular ones where they know everyone's going to see it anyway. Hey, you want to know? You guys, do you guys know any real ten-year lifespan games? No. Uh, uh, Destiny. Wait, mul- no. Multiverse. Uh, Halo uh, Infinite. Warner- Oh no! Uh, multiverses. Oh no! Marvel's Avengers. Oh. oh, I still can't believe that multiverses was released with paid DLC available to be purchased as an open beta. That was an open beta for months, and they took it down. Like, okay, now we're gonna relaunch for real in 2024. I, I don't like how when. Like, originally during the testing, all my favorite co- characters are available. Then when the official release happened, all of them were locked. That's what made me stop playing the game. It's like, no, I won't play these characters. Hey, hey guys, guess what? 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 You know who's celebrating their 10-year anniversary right now? Warframe. Uh, don't say Warframe. Warframe. Yeah. yeah. Warframe is basically the ultimate uh They did it. Service. They actually made a 10-year-old game. They did it. Yeah. I mean, I think Payday 2 is really close as well. Is Payday yeah, 2 but they're making Payday 3. Like, I want to say, I think Payday 2 might have actually come they're, out like 2013. They're also making a uh, second uh, Counter-Strike. Calling Counter-Strike 2. Payday 2 made it through a lot of a lot of problems, but like, for example, at one point they they were like, okay, we're not going to sell all these individual DLC packs anymore. We're just going to sell like Ultimate Edition. It's going to have all our DLC. Um, cool. And then they like stopped making DLC after that. And then they ran into financial problems and they're like, hey guys, I know what we said, but we need money. So we're going to start releasing more DLC packs. <laughs> but like, that's what they needed to do to save the game. And they were actually upfront about that. Yeah, they were upfront about it. Their studio was literally saved by it. And now they're working on Payday 3. They're using like a legitimate game engine. And so in the end, whatever, they're, they, they did it, you know. Um, but I think... I'm proud of Warframe. They started started at the bottom. Now we here until we get Souls Frame, and then I'll be actually yeah Soul in the Frame. They're making that too. They're making a Souls like Warframe. I don't know that it's Souls like. They just call it Soul Frame, but oh, okay. it, it did look knowing them like... like they're very passionate about games and stuff. 
So they they could literally be like, yeah, Dark Souls, Warframe, Soul Frame. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Digital Egg. You guys never disappoint. Why do you say egg? Well, I don't know. Digital, digital Extreme. Extremes. Yeah. Oh, well, egg can be short for egg stream. Yeah, exactly. That's just what I've always called them because you used to say DE, so I thought Digital Egg would yeah. be the best name ever. Yeah, anyway, uh, the st- it's just about over, so I want to say thank you for listening. We're the four fanboys. I'm Joshua. I'm Nick. I'm Kyle. I'm Zach. And I also want to ask you, uh, any fond memories with the Wii U or 3DS? Any sort of comments on video game preservation? And uh, thank you for listening. See, you- Oh, and wait, but first, follow us on Spotify, on Apple, on Google, on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitch. Thank you. See you next week.